Can you hear me now? I'm a, I don't know how you, I'm parched. Give me a second. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesians. And while you're tip, uh, turning there, I'll give you the, the backstory uh, for this morning's message. Um, literally for years, I, I, I'm, I'm, they say the 40s are the old age of youth, and the, your 50s are the, the youth of old age. Um, I'm in the youth of old age, and I'm, I'm feeling it, right? Um, so literally for years... I, I, I got saved when I was nine, right? I was born on a Saturday, was in church on Sunday. Um, I, you know, we, we've all read our Bibles. I'm assuming all of us here have read our Bibles periodically, and there's some passages you know, you're more familiar with and you go back to, and there's others that, you know, you don't, you, it's, it's hard plowing through books that have lists of names. I get that. It's not the most exciting stuff to read through. And there's other stuff that you prefer to read. And Ephesians is one of those books that, you know, I've, I've read a lot over low these many years. Um, and there has been a word that repeats itself in Ephesians that I've always, little, this has been decades, I've been saying to myself, I should do a little study on that word. And um, my home fellowship, Wellspring Bible, fellowship, uh, Bible Chapel, if I can remember its name, um, we're studying through the book of Ephesians. And it just finally dawned out of me. It's like, you know what? I, I, should, I should actually just go ahead and do this little study since we're going to be in the book anyway. And, and the word that caught my attention and repeats itself in the book of Ephesians is the word riches in the King James. Um, it, it appears, I believe, six times in four unique contexts. We're just going to look at one of those today. And the one we're going to look at is not the first one. It's, it's actually the third time it's, it's listed or used here in the book of Ephesians. It's in chapter 3. And we'll get to that in a second. But before we, we plunge into this, um, just a little bit of background on the book of Ephesians, right? Written by Paul while he's in prison, one of his prison epistles. And, and in typical Pauline fashion in, in, his, in, in his writing, the book is divided essentially into two parts. The first part of the book, Paul, through the Spirit, explains doctrine. And then in the second half of the book, he explains, all right, so now that you understand the doctrine, this is how it ought to look like in your life, right? Ephesians has six chapters, verses, uh, chapters one through three, doctrine heavy, chapters four through six, practical stuff. This is how it ought to look in your life. And although this is obvious, this, this thought occurred to me as I was studying through this. Listen, you, you, you can't do the stuff in four through six unless you are grounded mentally understanding the stuff in chapters one through three. Well, what's in four through six? Oh, things like husbands love your wives. Things like servants do a good job for your employer. Now, now those are incredibly practical things, right? But the point is not to just go out and do those things in your own strength or just figure out how to do it. First, be settled, be grounded, understand, dwell in the things in the first three chapters. 
Otherwise, trying to do those practical things, if you do it in your own power and your own strength and your own wisdom, it, it will end up falling apart. It, it, it just won't work. And so here is the huge practical benefit of studying, because everyone kind of glazes over when you're like, oh, we're going to do a word study on doctrinal stuff? That sounds so exciting, right? This stuff is absolutely foundational. And I know I'm a little weird, but I find it incredibly exciting. And I'm, I'm hoping that you'll catch a bit of that excitement this morning as well, right? So uh, let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we're going to look into God's Word together. Uh, Father, we thank you for the time we have spent together already, considering your Son, uh, lifting up our voices in song of worship and adoration to, to Him. Uh, we thank you so much for the salvation we enjoy through faith in Him. We ask that through your Holy Spirit, as we look into your word right now, that you would give us understanding, that you would um, unfold things that are new for us, remind us of things that we have heard before, stir our hearts, and most importantly, Lord, change us. We don't want to leave this building thinking the same way we did when we walked in. We want to know you better, and then we want to live it out even better. So help us now, Lord, in the coming few minutes that we would understand a little bit more of the riches that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 1, just for context. For this case, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by the revelation or by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That mystery that he's talking about is something that was hinted at, but wasn't fully revealed in the Old Testament, which is what he's about to say right now, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And so this is, to this day, this is a mind blow to Jews that God's his plan has always been that God was going to redeem and bless the Gentiles in the same way he was going to redeem and bless the nation of Israel, the Jews. They're two separate groups of people, but they're saved through the same Savior, right? Verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. That, that is what I want us to consider this morning. Um, in a few minutes. Uh, if you have an NIV, I think instead of unsearchable, uh, it's translated boundless. Um, if you have a, a New American Standard Bible, it's translated unfathomable. The riches of Christ are unsearchable, they're boundless, they're unfathomable. Now, of those, of those three words, because the Greek word that's translated unsearchable in the King James actually means unable to be traced out. 
and I just conceptually have a hard time getting my head around what exactly that means. So I, I love the word unfathomable um, because I'm sort of a visual learner and I can, I can see what that means. Now, Branford, ocean, right next door. We live on the coast, right? Everyone here is familiar with sailing. Yes? Okay. So do we all know what a fathom is? Okay. Fathom is a word back from when the ships were made of wood and the men were made of iron, okay? It was really important for the safety of your ship and actually maybe, you know, re reaching your destination to know how deep the water was that you were in, right? The, the amount of the boat that's below the surface of the water is called the, the draft. Thank you, right? We all, we all know that, right? Because we are a coastal community. We get sailing, right? We know that. All right. So the amount of the ship that's below the waterline is the draft of the boat. You need to know how deep the water is because you don't want your boat to run aground. That's bad. Ship stops, sinks right there. Bad ending. It's important that you know how deep the water is. Well, how do you know how deep the water is when you don't have electronics like sonar? Well, it's really simple. You take a rope, you tie a rock or a, or a lump, something, something heavy to the bottom of it, and you tie a knot in the rope every six feet up the length of the rope. You want to know how, how deep the water is, you drop the rope over the side, the weight sinks to the bottom, you can see what, how, how wet the rope got if you want to do that. You can pull the rope up and count the number of knots until it stopped getting wet. Each one of those six foot lengths is a fathom. Okay? And now you know how deep the water is. Everybody get it? Simple, right? If your boat draws 10 feet, there's 10 feet of your boat below the water, how many fathoms, I'm going to make you do math, how many fathoms do you need to keep your boat safe? Two would be 12 feet, you're good if there's two fathoms. Now, is there a point at which, like say, you're, say your rope is 100 feet long, and I'm not going to ask you to do that math, but that's a bunch of fathoms, but your boat draws 10 feet, and you drop your weight in, and all of your rope goes out, you're still holding the other end, you don't want to lose it. Do you care, actually, how deep the water is? No deep enough. Unfathomable. The riches of Christ are unfathomable. What does that mean? It means there isn't a rope in existence long enough to find the bottom of the riches of Christ. That's what the whole idea behind that word it means. There's no limit to it. You can't find the limits to it. There's plenty. There's enough. Okay. Christ, the riches of Christ, Paul was, was preaching. Okay, we have the idea. There's plenty. There's enough. There's, there's an immense quantity of his riches. But then you, the next logical question would be, well, what exactly is Christ rich in? 
And how does that apply to me? The best way for, uh, to interpret Scripture is through Scripture, right? Turn, um, you can, it's not hard to find. Turn back to the book of Romans. Go to chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. I am going to talk about this morning six things that the Lord is rich in. This is not an, an exhaustive list. I'm not going to pretend that it's all of the things, but it's the things that the Lord laid on my heart. Here are the first two. Verse 33 of Romans chapter 11. And you'd get the same idea if you went to Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is rich in knowledge and in wisdom. Well, well what, what is knowledge? Knowledge is understanding. Knowledge is understanding. And, and wisdom is the ability to rightly apply knowledge, right? Just because you know a lot doesn't mean you're smart, right? It means you know a lot. Um, the depth of the riches of Christ in his knowledge and wisdom are unfathomable. Unfathomable. Would it be logical? Let, uh, let me put it a different way. Who do you go to when you need advice or need help? Well, hopefully someone more experienced than you. Someone who knows something of the topic that you're interested in, right? I, I, don't, I don't go to medical advice from my plumber. Right? Um, Is it logical to go to someone with less experience, less knowledge than you on a topic if you have a question about it? No, no, that would. There's only really one way that's going to end. Probably it's going to end badly. Do I, do you ever think I know better than the Lord Jesus? You know, there's a lot of places in our world today that you can go to for, um, for help. I, I kept talking to my phone on my way down here because I wanted to know how, how long it was going to take me to get here. So I was consulting what we call in, in my household the magic box. Right? Siri, how far away is Brantford Bible Chapel? And the little wheel spun and it spun, and then it said timeout. I don't know if the rain messed up my reception or something. But I was hoping to get a true answer from, from this source, my phone, and, 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 I, and I didn't. I'll ask Siri again the next time of a question, right? I'll, I will still, I'll still go back to that source. And, and I, I make the assumption that that, that source of information is, is accurate, that it's true. We have a couple of students in the room, right? 
How many of us have been told, how many of you have been told you cannot use Wikipedia as a source for your research? Well, why is that? Because it's, it's just people writing in. It's, none of it's vetted, right? Don't know if it's true or not. That's what they mean. Where do you go to when you need wisdom, when you need understanding? What's your source? Scriptures? Prayer? Are those your sources? Are those your soul sources? Or do I, do we think we know better than the one who has an unfathomable depth of wisdom and knowledge? Still in Romans, turn back a couple of pages to chapter 2. The Lord Jesus is rich in wisdom and knowledge. And there's another uh, few things mentioned here in Romans chapter 2. We'll pick it up in verse 3. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and doeth the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? So not only is the Lord Jesus Christ rich in wisdom and knowledge, he's, he's rich and these three things, he's rich in goodness, or, or your Bible may have translated that kindness. He's rich in kindness. He is never harmful. He's never harmful. He always acts in kindness. The riches of his forbearance, or your Bible may translate that as tolerance or restraint. He tolerates ignorance. He doesn't lose his temper. He's rich. He's rich in forbearance. He's rich in long-suffering. Their Bible may translate that patience. He has a long view. He sticks to it. The riches of his patience are unfathomable. Have you ever wondered... Because life is life, right? Stuff happens. Have you ever doubted or wondered if the Lord's... Have you ever doubted the Lord's goodness towards you? Or His kindness? Have, have you ever um, considered or thought through that I, I actually know what's good for me better than, better than God does? When I'm faced with a choice... Do I depend upon the goodness of the Lord Jesus, or do I depend on what I consider to be goodness? We have a, a very dear friend now. Um, he, he takes care of our, he's the aide for our special needs son. His name is Mark. Um, Mark is a believer, and he was working for a company um, taking care 
of um, handicapped kids. And Mark was not walking with the Lord at the time. And he was, uh, he was doing a good job. He was actually very, very good at his job. And something awful happened to him there. He was, he was falsely accused. He was um, really embarrassed. He was publicly humiliated. None of the accusations that were leveled against him were true. But, but because of that, um, Mark left that job, and, and we hired him. And long story short, Mark is now walking with the Lord. Um, he really has a gift for evangelism. And li literally, he is, because of him exercising his gift, lives are changing. Like, people are getting saved through Mark. And he says, I look back now in that time in my life, and I see... And I remember how upset I was, the sleepless nights, the, the, um, the questions, the, the desperate desire to be justified, to be, to be vindicated. And I look back now and I just see the goodness of the Lord to me. You know, sometimes it's difficult to put that in perspective, right? In challenging times, and in times that hurt. But the depth of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ to you and I is unfathomable. Never doubt that. Never doubt that. The riches of his forbearance. The riches of his forbearance. Have you ever, um, have you ever endured... The company of an obnoxious child. Anyone? <laughs> not here. Yeah. Other places, but not here. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a self-centered, selfish, a bossy, demanding, mean-spirited kid. Never? I could tell by the chuckles a couple of you may have occurred kind of behavior. I was in Home Depot yesterday. I was in the self-checkout line, and there was a dad on the other side, and he had like a seven-year-old son and probably like a four-year-old daughter. And the daughter, I don't know what was going on, but she had had it. She had had it. And she was melting down. You know what that's like, right, folks? Or if it hasn't happened around you, to you, it's happened around you. And this, this, um, this dad was just so patient so patient and uh the the little girl um ended up shrieking just on i mean shrieking top of the lungs shrieking i don't know what she wanted but she wasn't getting it all right and dad finished checking out and i had finished checking out and i kind of left the shrieking behind me and um i was walking out to my vehicle and i could I could hear behind me the shrieking all the way through the parking lot. And I looked over in there at the, the shrieking. I mean, it just didn't stop. It just kept going on, right? I, and my heart broke for, for dad and, and actually for the little girl, too. I'm like, someone's not having a good day. It just, it just sounds. 
Have you ever considered the possibility that that's you in God's eyes? Have you ever considered the possibility, have I ever considered the possibility that sometimes I, I, I act like an obnoxious child? Oh my goodness, am I so thankful that in Christ he has a limitless supply of forbearance. He doesn't lose his temper with me. It says in the book of Malachi, um, the, Lord, the Lord says that uh, um, because of my mercy, you're not consumed. Right. I'm so thankful for the forbearance, for the tolerance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Far be it from me, far be it from you to test that. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad for his tolerance, for his forbearance. The riches, the third thing mentioned here is of his long suffering, sometimes translated patience. Long-suffering, really, there's the definition right in the word, right? He suffers long. He has a long view. He has a long view. You know, the Lord Jesus never throws his hands up in the air. Maybe, has this, have you, anyone here ever been assigned or had to do a really boring task? And just, or maybe you were in a relationship with, with a tiresome person. And at some point, you decided, like, you know, this, this just isn't worth it. This, I, I don't have time for this. You know, that's not the Lord Jesus at all. He never throws his hands up in, 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 in desperation and in, in exasperation. Ah! I'm done with you. That's not who he is. The depth of his long-suffering, of his patience is unfathomable. Is there someone in your family, in your life, that you have been praying for? For weeks, for months, for years. And the thought has crept into your head, eh, probably God just doesn't have time. I'm sure he's given up on this, this situation or this person or no, that's, that's not who he is. It's not who he is. It's not how he acts. He doesn't act that way with you. He doesn't act that way with anyone else. When he is involved in your life, he's in for the long haul. Remember in Sunday school, we used to sing that, that little cute little song, God's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the universe I can't remember all the words, sorry. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Have you considered the riches of the patience of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's 
It's interesting as you consider how patient the Lord has been with you. It gives you pause, does it not, to be patient with your brothers and sisters. You know, it's, it's a good thing to be reminded that we're all just works in, works in progress. And it's a good thing God's patient. It's a good thing. Have you ever been dealt with by someone who was impatient? Yeah, it's unpleasant. I'm so thankful that the Lord Jesus doesn't lose his patience with me. Oh, the riches, the unfathomable depth of the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's rich in wisdom. He's rich in knowledge. He's rich in goodness. He's rich in forbearance. He's rich in long-suffering or patience. Turn back to the book of Ephesians. Just one more we'll look at. Chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. He's rich in mercy. Mercy is uh, not getting what we deserve, right? Not getting what we deserve. Where would we be without the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ? There is a, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is historically accurate, but it's an illustration, and I'll share with it with you anyway. I, this is probably something somebody pulled off of Wikipedia. This has not been properly vetted, but it does, in fact, illustrate the point. Uh, the story goes that uh, uh, back in the late 1700s, there was a young soldier, uh, teenager, uh, the only son of a woman uh, in areas in Napoleon's army, and he, uh, he deserted didn't want to be in the army. He deserted, and he's caught. And because he's a deserter uh, at a time of war, he is, there's capital punishment. He's going to be executed. And his mother hears about it, and she writes to Napoleon um, and pleads for mercy for her son. And Napoleon considers the letter of this woman and grants clemency, grants mercy, and uh, the the, the death penalty is, is removed, and the boy is put back into the service of the army. At some time later, he deserts again and is caught again. And mom gets wind of it, and she realizes this, this is even worse because it's a repeat offense. And so she travels across France and finds uh, Napoleon's headquarters and begs for an audience with him and is granted... And she pleads for her son's life. And Napoleon says to this woman, your son has deserted twice and been caught. 
He does not deserve mercy. To which the mother replied, Sir, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. Oh, the unfathomable riches of the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, have you ever struggled with the thought that you're not good enough for God? That somehow there's, there's something in your life or there's a time in your life or there's a season in your life and you feel like you, you don't deserve to be in his presence or to have a relationship with him. Please come back to this thought that he has an unfathomable depth of mercy towards you. And whatever you've done and however far you've strayed and however you've screwed up, there is a way back through his mercy always, every time. Amen? There is no one who is irredeemable. There is no one who is unsavable. You have never gone so far you can't come back to Christ. Because of the unfathomable of His mercy. Do I understand that mercy is not earned? Mercy is not deserved. Mercy is an expression of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the Lord Jesus unfathomably rich in? Wisdom? Knowledge. I forgot the third one. What is it? Thank you. Goodness. Forbearance. Patience. Mercy. You and I need to live our lives constantly aware and in the good of those things. Right? You can't get to the practical applications of four through six, unless you are settled and rooted and grounded in these, what seem like simple, but are absolutely essential foundational truths about who the Lord Jesus is. One of the beautiful things about Ephesians one through three is it doesn't talk about how, let me, let me put it this way, it talks about God towards you. This is what God is doing for you. Right? There's no sense of, of your behavior, of your earning, of your desert. It's nowhere in there. It's all about God has done this stuff for you. This is just true. Believe it. Believe it. Never doubt it. And then live in the good of it. Live it out.
number two in the black book song is a, a debtor to mercy alone i love the poetry i love the poetry of that song a debtor to mercy alone of covenant mercy i sing covenant to promise god's promised that no fear with god's righteousness on my person and offering to bring the terrors of law and of god with me can have nothing to do my Savior's obedience and blood hide all of my transgressions from view. Mm. The work that his goodness began, the arm of his strength will complete. His promise is yea and amen and has never been forfeited yet. Yes, I to the end shall endure. As sure as the earnest is given the Holy Spirit. More happy, but not more secure, the souls of the blessed in heaven. Do, do I live in, in the reality that um, the, the saints who have died and already gone to heaven and are enjoying the presence of the Lord right now, I'm as secure as they are. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because of me, but because of him. Folks, I hope um, these thoughts rattle around in your head and stay right at the forefront because circumstances will come that will make you doubt his goodness. Uh, failures will come that will make you wonder about his patience. Times will come when you will wonder, how can God show mercy here? He's immutable. He doesn't change. Oh, the unfathomable depths of the riches of Christ. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may our minds and our hearts be turned uh, towards him. Day by day and moment by moment. Uh, Father, we confess that how easily we are distracted. Uh, we see the evil in the world. We see the chaos and the confusion, the, the outright heresy that, that goes on in the world that we live in. And it's easy for us to be distracted by that and forget who you are, who, what you have done. Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for my brothers and sisters here today that each one of us would live in the good, in the presence, in the knowledge of the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we are so grateful for your Son. We thank you that we can, as the one hymn writer said, turn our eyes upon him. And the things of this world grow strangely dim when we do that. Thank you so much for our time together. Bless us now as we part. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.